District of Conservation is sponsored by CFACT. To learn more about our sponsor, head over to cfact.org. Thanks for listening. I'm thrilled to be rejoined by Congressman Bruce Westerman of Arkansas, who is currently ranking member of the House Natural Resources Committee. And he's going to update us about what is happening in Congress right now across conservation, energy, and balance use. So, Congressman, it is so great to catch up with you. How are things going? It's going well, Gabrielle. I'm uh, actually down in Texas for the the Bassmaster Classic. Uh, you know, I guess being the ranking member of the Resources Committee, I get to go out and and attend some of these fun events where people are uh, having fun with outdoor recreation and practicing conservation. So it's a good break from D.C. to get out in the real world with real sportsmen and outdoorsmen. What are you looking most forward to about attending Bassmaster? Uh, yeah, I th- when I was a kid, I thought that was what my calling in life was. I was going to be a professional bass fisherman so I can just uh, go out with envy and watch these guys uh, that fish for a living. And probably probably will make me uh, jealous and want to get out on the lake and fish is probably what will happen. But, you know, I've not been to this particular event. We've hosted some big bass tournaments in Arkansas before, and they typically have a, a big uh, – expo where there's a lot of lures and fishing gear and new boats and all the shiny things that um that make you feel kind of lustful for uh for the outdoors so i'm excited about that have you ever gone to icast are you planning to go to that this year i have not been i would love to go sometime it is a great show it's like shot show but for fishing if you've ever gone to shot show i've been to shot show um yeah i I need to uh, leave my credit card and checkbook and everything behind if i go to anything like that though (laughs) it's very tempting to buy all the cool new gear tackle apparel i won't be going to icast this year because i have travel conflicting with it but no that's so exciting that you get to do bassmaster classic you'll have to report back to to me and, and tell me how that went but i wanted to ask you about what has been happening in committee there's been a lot of news coming from Obviously, uh, House Democrats who lead the committee, and obviously you serve as the top Republican on committee. There's been a lot of bills, or maybe lack thereof bills. But could you could you tell my listeners what's been going on? Yeah, well, a lot's been talked about. There's not been as many actions as what some would probably think. And I, if I can shift gears for just a moment and get away from the Natural Resources Committee, I'm also on the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee, where I was in D.C. this week for a, a marathon uh, surface transportation bill markup that started at 10 a.m. on Wednesday and ended at 5 a.m. on Thursday. Uh, but we we face some obstacles on that as well because the federal lands transportation program is all part of the surface transportation bill. I had some amendments in there that I was really hoping to to get in the bill that would provide more access for outdoor recreation. One thing in particular is um, uh, there's an issue that I face in my home state on the National Forest where there are roads that are open for vehicular traffic. Uh, even you know log trucks can go down these gravel roads in the Forest Service, but the Forest Service has prohibited people from using uh, ATVs and off-highway vehicles on these roads that are open up to uh, four-wheel drive trucks. And I just had an amendment. Uh, I had a couple of amendments, but one of them I was going to open it up for any road that was uh, open for vehicular traffic. You could use your OHVs on it. Um, that got uh, squelched. So I did one that said, okay, let's just do it for people who are handicapped and seniors. Uh, at least let them ride their uh, 
their off-road vehicles on these roads, not getting off on trails or, or doing anything like that. And uh, I can't believe it, but that bill went down on a, a party line vote with the Democrats uh, uh, opposing it. Uh, you know, I'm all for access to federal lands. And I, I came up with this amendment because of things that have happened in my district where an elderly gentleman was talking about being at a, a camp in the Washita National Forest and a ranger came up and told him if he didn't get his uh, his side-by-side vehicle off of Forest Service property, he was going to write him uh, a ticket. Uh, he didn't realize the road was not open to um, off-highway vehicles. Uh, and there were four-wheel drive pickups parked all the way around. Well, this this gentleman left the camp and didn't come back. Um, and I get reports like that in my district. I get reports all across the country about that. And, you know, as the Democrats want to talk about 30 by 30 and this big conservation initiative that I'm not sure what it really means, uh, I want to make sure we have access to public lands, access for hunting and fishing and outdoor recreation, and that American citizens are able to uh, enjoy this land that's owned by everyone, that it's not locked up and uh, set aside for only special interest. And uh, unfortunately, we're seeing way too much of that across our country. It's very interesting that they say that this is a way to preserve trails and nature, but to kind of observers, it seems like an elitist, exclusionary and especially ableist position to say that especially people with mobility issues can't access by way of ATV. And certainly there are people who are reckless with ATVs, but I think they're in the minority or other similar modes of transportation. And if people want to enjoy the outdoors, wouldn't it be prudent to allow access for more people to understand what goes on to conservation, multiple uses, just seeing nature on hand? I think it's very counterintuitive to the public land ethos to say that we're for some people accessing and others not. Yeah, and that's a... uh... And I was just talking about roads that were already open to vehicular traffic. I'm not talking about creating new roads. I'm not talking about letting ATVs out on hiking trails. Just simply allowing people to use um, off-highway vehicles on existing roadways that are open to vehicular traffic. So uh, to me, that's saying, um, no, we want to exclude this part of the the outdoor recreation industry. Uh, We want to make... you know, you've already got wilderness areas where, you know, it's only really able-bodied people or people who can hire someone to pack gear in for them that can access these areas. So at least where we've already got roads in place, we should be letting everybody have access to that. Um, and I have heard that argument from the Forest Service when I asked them, you know, why are you letting four-wheel drive pickups go down these roads, but not off-highway vehicles? And they say, well, somebody might drive through the forest or get out in the in the creek beds and i'm thinking well you know somebody might break the law everywhere that's why we have law enforcement officers throw the book at those people make an example out of them but don't take away the right for everyone else to enjoy recreation on the land and what implications can stem from this rule do you think well it's just restrictive access and i think it's really what's behind the uh the Democrat platform with uh, 30 by 30, the more I see about it, they want to put more land in wilderness area, which is going to restrict use and restrict the number of people. uh, And really the, um, for lack of a better word, the type of people who can access uh, those lands. 
uh, 30 by 30, putting stuff into a wilderness area is not conservation. And I will fight that with, with everything that I've got. Uh, now, if we want to talk about real conservation, uh, I'm all for that as well, where we're being wise stewards and using the land right, creating more access, creating better opportunities and more quality opportunities, instead of just locking up land in wilderness area where the American public uh, doesn't have access to it. Uh, and it's not only recreational access, it's access to, um, you know, oftentimes make a living in rural areas where the, uh, especially in the West, where it's vastly owned by the federal government. And if you don't have access to it, um, you certainly can't make a living off of it. I saw your statement about 3030, and I found it to be super interesting. I think some conservation groups, especially in the sporting community, got a little too optimistic because we know how politics is and, and great. They may have placated and assuaged our fears about a impede on private property rights. They say that they'll respect the will of hunters and anglers, but kind of what we see happening in this administration, I'm sadly pessimistic. I don't see that they're going to keep in line with the proposal they have. And like you said, there's a lot of uncertainty about what 3030 will do, how they define conservation. I think they're going to be more inclined to preservationist environmentalism. Like we see with what they do with energy I don't think you can be conservationist in one angle and then preservation preservationist in another and maintain consistency. So I, I caution anyone, you know, to, to read into the plan. It's, it sounds okay, but like you said, it's muddled with a lot of kind of uncertainty. Yeah. You know, 30 by 30 is a good name for a show on ESPN, but I'm not sure what <laughs> it has to do with conservation. Uh, I was, you know, talking to some committee staff who've been doing research and uh, if you take private land, which is managed much better than, than public lands as far as conservation goes in many, many cases across the country, if, if you look at that right now, we're probably at a number, you could call it like 39 at 21. So uh, if where you're having uh, private land that's really being managed responsibly, that's got good stewardship on it, along with some of the the public land that's truly being conserved, uh, we're probably already past 30% of the nation's land. Um, and, you know, I've heard Democrats publicly talk about how setting aside uh, wilderness areas and a bill that they passed off the House floor was the first step to 30 by 30. And a wilderness area, um, they're good in certain places. There's reasons for them. But if you think just locking up land and keeping people off of it and doing no management on it is conservation, then you've been reading the wrong textbooks. It sounds more so like textbook preservation, not stewardship. And I think anyone who prides themselves in being a conservationist or someone who studies conservation, you would see that the, the term gets misused and abused often. I think a lot of status quo environmental organizations, I think, what is it? The League of Conservation Voters is now advocating for like removing the filibuster or something completely out of line with their supposed mission statement, which I find hilarious, but it, it seems like the term conservation and preservation get lumped in together. What mistake do you think, let's say preservationist environmentalists do by creating confusion, muddling those two words together? Why is it important to make the distinction? It's very important. And I don't think a lot of them understand the difference between conservation and preservation, but you see the word preservation used often. I've even had to uh, uh, to get onto my staff sometimes because they'll be writing something up and they'll use the word preserve where it should be 
conserve. And, you know, maybe I'm being nitpicky, but there's a huge difference. And the way I like to explain it is that preservation is for art in an art museum. It's for an old building that needs to be uh, remodeled. It's for something static that doesn't change. That's how you, you can preserve that. You cannot preserve nature because it changes on its own, uh, whether we do anything or not. The only way you can preserve nature is you can take a take a cucumber out of your garden and boil it in vinegar and make a pickle out of it, and that's preservation. But that's not what we want for our, our forest, uh, for our uh, natural landscapes. Uh, we want to be good stewards and take care of, of what we've got. That's what conservation is. You use it. And you leave it in better shape than you found it for the next generation. And when we say we're going to make a decision of, you know, hands off, don't touch this, no management, no interference, that is a management decision. Again, it's because of the dynamic nature of, of forestry and other natural environments. They change on their own regardless of what rules or what policies we make. Um, you know, I've got real concerns out in, in California and some of our national parks, especially like Kings Canyon National Park. Uh, I'm getting reports that, and these are from forestry professionals that have been in the backcountry, that said we could lose Kings Canyon in a fire this summer, said it's that poorly mismanaged. Um, and I, I don't know how much loss like that it's going to take before we start practicing real conservation and take these fringe environmental groups out of the picture that claim they want to help the environment, but they're actually doing more harm to the environment uh, than anyone else. It seems like the case, and it's funny speaking briefly about energy, they're okay with stopping projects here, which are vetted, um, studied extensively, have very few emissions, would employ people simultaneously, low impact on the environment, but great for job creation, but they're okay with our adversaries, let's say like China developing and exploring minerals, also Russia having a, a stake in energy in Eastern Europe. So it's really funny that they're they're selectively against development here or uh, exploration here, but they're okay with our foreign adversaries doing it. And uh, w what are you pursuing in Congress right now? What legislation are you trying to move through? I know it's difficult given the makeup of Congress right now, uh, but, but what is something you're trying to target? I know your specialty is forestry, but I wanted to hear of other bills as well. Oh, yeah, we're working on uh, you know, addressing the issue of the shortage of critical minerals. Uh, and this came up in the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee as well, but we also look at it extensively on the Natural Resources Committee. But the, the hypocrisy is unbelievable, where we have people saying we've got to go to a low-carbon green economy that requires, as studies the World Bank's put out, a 965% increase in lithium in the next 50 years, or by 2050, not the next 50 years, uh, a 560% increase in cobalt, uh, which the, all these minerals, along with a lot of others, are being supplied predominantly by China. If you look at uranium, which uh, we use here in the U.S., we produce one half of 1% of the uranium we use. Russia is our major supplier of uranium. It used to be Canada and Australia, but the uh, state-run companies in Russia are... Um, undercutting the market. And our response to it was we had a, a bill out of the Natural Resources Committee to, to pull uh, land out of, uh, out of the possibility of being, being leased or developed for uranium production in Arizona, which is the largest deposits of uranium in our country. 
and the uh, the so-called environmentalists were saying that they were protecting mining in the Grand Canyon. Well, this was north of the Grand Canyon, was nowhere near uh, the Grand Canyon National Park, um, but they were using that as their talking points that uh, they had to protect the Grand Canyon from uranium mining, which nobody in their right mind would really believe that we're going to go in the Grand Canyon and mine something. Uh, but they used that as a as their talking point, and the media let them get by with it to say that's why they needed to set this land aside. So now, um, you know, one more element, uranium, uh, that we're heavily dependent on our adversary for Russia, uh, and the list just goes on and on and on. Uh, there's a copper mine in Arizona that's been almost fully developed, could supply 25% of our copper for the next 50 years, and uh, there's a bill in Congress now to take the lease away on the copper mine. It's 7,000 feet below ground, uh, but they're saying it's going to do damage to a sacred uh, oak flat forest um, that's out in the desert, which, by the way, I think is on fire right now and the fires in Arizona. So um, everywhere we turn, there's hypocrisy and uh, bad science that we have to combat. And that's a lot of what we're working on in the resources committee. That's good to hear. And I'll have you send me some stuff after the fact that I can put into show notes and also for my town hall column. But uh, I'll ask you a final question because I know you're pressed for time. Uh, in addition to enjoying, enjoying Bassmaster, any fishing or hunting trips coming up that you want to share? Um, you know, I'm embarrassed to say, Gabriella, but I've hardly got to go fishing this year. And I normally, I've got, I've normally got more crappie in the freezer than I can cook. Um, I don't know what my problem is with scheduling, but I just haven't got a chance to really do any fishing. I did get to do some turkey hunting. I uh, had a great hunt in Arkansas on opening morning where I, I had uh, four big gobblers come in at one time. And, uh, you know, it was one of those great hunts that uh, I'll never forget. And uh, I will, I'll find my way back out on the water before, before we know it. I see that Senator Ted Cruz is at Bassmaster. You need to ask him about his uh, life vest <laughs> options, but it looks like he's having a fun time. I hope you get to go out on the water too. Looks like some of your other colleagues are doing it. Thank you so much for the update and let's revisit again soon, maybe sometime in DC. You bet, Gabriella. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the show. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you're following us on your preferred podcast player. We like to recommend Apple Podcasts because Apple is where most of our listenership hails from. So if you head over to Apple, subscribe, comb through some episodes, and leave us reviews, we'd be more than appreciative of your support in that manner. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to never miss a beat nor a guest announcement. And you can connect with me personally on my social media feeds, all of the... Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram links that I have are all denoted by blue check marks. Really easy to find me. So engage with me there. I'd love to hear your thoughts. If you want to recommend yourself for the show as a prospective guest, I'm all ears to hear and sift through different inquiries.